everyone. Welcome to Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for joining me. I appreciate you listening. I'm happy you're here. So today we are going to be going through, this is our Bible episode. My days are all off again. I'm like a broken record. I say this all the time that I am late on the podcast. So apologies. But last week we went to Disneyland from Thursday to Monday. And on Thursday's episode of the podcast, or maybe it was, I don't know, at some point I said, probably on my Instagram actually, that I would be releasing a podcast on Monday because I was planning to be back by Monday and I was like, okay, I can just quickly record a podcast like that afternoon. But we had so much fun in Disney. We were supposed to go in the park for three days, but we were having so much fun. We're like, let's just extend this by a day. So we actually extended our trip one day into Tuesday and then things have been pretty, pretty crazy. I've still prepped the podcast. I just haven't had a time to record. So we will be doing this rapid fire release of the podcast probably today and tomorrow because I have one on this, you know, this Bible one that I missed from last Thursday, which is Ezekiel 25 basically to the end of Ezekiel. And then we have the next one, which is supposed to come out yesterday. Then we also have one that we missed on Monday, which is I did the history of Disneyland. Since we went to Disneyland, I was like, you know what? I need to learn more about this. It was fascinating. Now I've like, I've read a lot about Walt Disney as a person and kind of like the overall history of Disney itself, but never really Disneyland. I I hadn't really focused on Disneyland, like the actual logistics, when it opened, um, how big it was when it opened, all this stuff. So we're doing a recap of the trip and the history of Disneyland podcast. That'll be coming out right after this, probably, I mean, probably this afternoon. Um, But this one is our Bible episode. The other little life update that is minor for sure, but worth mentioning, I just started listening to Ed Sheeran's new album. And if you like Ed Sheeran at all, (laughs) it is amazing. I, I'm the type of person who listens to a song. Once I find a new good song that I like, I listen to it for weeks, like over and over for weeks at a time. So it was kind of hard to pull myself away from listening to this song to come record the podcast. I was like, I just want to keep listening to it. Stop the Rain, it's called, is such a good song. And I've been listening to it all morning. So um, go check that out if you have not yet. But today we are doing Ezekiel, the rest of the book of Ezekiel. So let's get into it. So let's get into this. Um, So we're doing Ezekiel 25 through the end of Ezekiel, which I think is like, uh, let me scroll down, 48. So not actually too many chapters, but I mentioned this before. I mentioned it in the last Ezekiel um, Bible study podcast that Ezekiel is a really tough book for me to read for some reason. Like, I think some people really like this style of of writing and you know I think it's easier for some people to read than others and for me it's just very hard like 
the chapters are so long and so dense. Maybe I needed to, like, I think I needed to take more time to, like, break all of this down because there seems to be some debate, even now, among, like, biblical scholars, from what I can tell from my, you know, commentaries that I've looked at, that there is some debate about, like, some of these prophecies, if they had already happened in this time or if it's referring to something way in the future. And so we'll go over some of those. But these prophetic books where it's like a lot of imagery and a lot of like different uh, things. It's not just like, oh, I'm prophesying that you will die or something like that. There's all these like more symbolic prophecies. Those are always kind of hard for me to read. And there's just so many words in, in some of these chapters. Um, so that has just been uh, kind of interesting to like note. And I probably need to go back to Ezekiel and do like an Ezekiel specific Bible study to really take time to like take every chapter and break it down and figure out what it's saying and all of that because, you know, and I need to do the same thing with Isaiah because Isaiah was very, very similar to this. So I'm going to give the summaries and stuff, but just know that this is like, this was definitely one of my harder uh, books to read. And for some of this stuff, I really still have to go back and I still have some questions. So, but we'll go through the summaries and show what Ezekiel prophesied. Okay. So we're starting with Ezekiel 25, as I mentioned. So Ezekiel 25 is a prophecy against Ammon. And it's basically because they said, you know, they laughed and said, aha, when, when, the Lord's sanctuary was desecrated, they cheered. So they're not holy. And because of that, he is going to give um, the Ammonites to the people of the East as a possession. So it says that they will eat your fruit, drink your milk. Since you rejoiced when the Lord was desecrated, I will stretch out my hand against you and give you as plunder to the nations. He says that he will wipe you out and exterminate you from the countries that he scatters them into. So, not looking too good for the Ammonites. Now there is a prophecy against Moab. So, Moab and Seir said, Look, Judah has become like all the other nations. Therefore, I will expose the flank of Moab um, and will give Moab along with the Ammonites to the people of the east. So, it's pretty much the same punishment for Moab and also because they're kind of rejoicing as you know, the people of Israel and Judah are failing and they're kind of rejoicing that they're not set apart anymore technically, or not technically, but they've been worshiping idols and doing all this wicked stuff that they rejoice. So, um, okay. Then there's a prophecy against Edom. Edom took revenge on Judah at one point, And so it says, therefore he will lay it waste and they will fall by the sword. And then there's a prophecy against Phil Philistia, which is the Philistines. Um, so the Philistines acted in vengeance and took revenge with malice in their hearts and sought to destroy Judah. So common theme here, all these prophecies are because like the enemies of Israel rejoiced when Israel was failing or falling or um, not worshiping the Lord, basically. So he said, I will wipe out the Carathites and destroy those remaining along the coast. There will be great vengeance against the Philistines. Okay, in Ezekiel 26, there's a prophecy against Tyr. So they were excited that the gate to the nations was broken and that it was getting ruined. So again, rejoicing when Israel is 
not doing well. Um, he is going to bring the Babylonians against Tyr and will bring you to a horrible end, it says. So this mentions hell. I was talking to one of my friends about how like the Old Testament does not mention hell that much, heaven or hell, but they do somewhat mention it here. Um, it says, I will bring you down with those who go down to the pit. So there's a vague reference of hell, but I do want to look more into why like heaven and hell is such a common theme in American Christianity today, but he like hell is really not mentioned that much in the Old Testament. So I just am curious as to why that is. Um, okay, Ezekiel 27, the Lord comes to Ezekiel and says to take up a lament over Tyr, talks all about its former glory, the ship that ships that would come in, people traded, and then talks about how it's going to have like impending doom, how there's impending doom and there will be this judgment brought against Tyr. Ezekiel 28 is a prophecy sp against specifically the king of Tyr. So he said, in the pride of your heart, you say, I am a god. Their, his heart has grown proud. And he's because of this arrogance and pride and all this, God is going to bring foreigners against him and he will die a violent death, it says. Again, he talks about how good Tyr was and now says that it will be really ruined. It will be put to ruins. There's a prophecy against Sidon. He said he's going to send a plague on Sidon as a punishment. Uh, no longer will the people of Israel have malicious neighbors who are painful breers and sharp thorns. So all these people, like God talked a lot about the wrath coming against Israel, the wrath coming against Judah, you know, how they disobeyed and now there will be punishment. But he's also then punishing the neighbors and the enemies who rejoiced at that. So Sidon is another one of those. Um, and he again talks about how Israel will be restored and will go back and have their own land and how he'll collect the remnant of Israel and, and give them back their land. So Ezekiel 29, there's a prophecy against Egypt. They have made themselves like gods. It says, I will put hooks in your jaws and make fish of your streams stick to your scale. Oh, wait. I will put hooks in your jaws and make the fish of your streams stick to your scales. It says, you have been a staff of reed for the people of Israel. When they grasped you with their hands, you splintered and tore open their shoulders. When they learnt, leaned on you, you broke their backs. Wait. You broke and their backs were wrenched. So basically the Israelites relied on Egypt as an ally and they let them down, which God had warned them, like, do not be an ally with Egypt. Many times we, we looked at that in a couple other, um, Bible podcasts that he did say, like, don't be allies with Egypt. And they did. Um, but now he's also prophesying against Egypt because, uh, and he's punishing Egypt for that, for being, not a reliable ally. He said um, that he will make Egypt a uh, ruin for 40 years. Um, but then after the 40 years, he will gather them from the scattered countries that he like sent them off to, basically. 
Okay, then we have Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it talks about Nebuchadnezzar's reward. So he led his Babylonian army against Tyr well, and God will give Egypt to him as a reward. So Egypt is getting punished by getting given to Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar's reward is Egypt. So all kind of plays in there. Ezekiel 30 said the day of the Lord is near. The sword will come against Egypt, and the allies of Egypt will fall. God says that he's going to destroy the idols. He'll put an end to the images of to the images of Memphis. So I guess Memphis is like a is like a pagan god, which I didn't actually know. Um, all these names of like cities and stuff, it's always interesting their origin. Because I guess Memphis is this like an old, I think mythological creature or something, or anyway, they had images of him and were idling idolizing Memphis. So the word of the word of the Lord came and said, I have broken the arm of the Pharaoh. It has not been bound up to heal to hold a sword. I am against the Pharaoh king of Egypt. I will break his arms, basically. Okay, Ezekiel 31, Egypt is compared to a falling cedar. So it was very, very tall and well watered, but then fell. Um, Ezekiel 32 is to take up a lament concerning Pharaoh. You are like a lion among the nations, a monster in the seas. I will let all the birds settle on you and animals gorge themselves on you. So like, this is the, the big lament against Egypt is falling. There's all these laments. And then the title of the next section is Egypt's descent into the realm of the dead. So it's talking all about Egypt's destruction, basically. And this this realm of the dead, which is, again, is another, like, reference to this hell pit sort of thing. You know, and, like, a lot of people now, people either talk about hell a lot, like, in American Christianity, or there's this new trend that basically says that hell does not exist. But, I mean, there are references to a place that you go when it's bad, or when you have not followed God in the Old Testament. So, I really need to get into this whole heaven and hell debate because there are so many opinions about it. And I mean, I believe that there is a hell, but I am again, curious why it's not mentioned that much in the old Testament. Okay. Ezekiel 33, um, Ezekiel's call to be a watchman for the people of Israel is renewed. So this is that whole thing where it's like, if someone, um, well, let me just read this section and it'll make more sense. It says that means that and this is the quote, when I bring the sword against a land and the people of the land choose one of their men and make them their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. So he is seeing the sword coming of like this sin and the God's judgment and all this stuff. And his job, Ezekiel's job, is to warn the people. Because if he doesn't warn them, anyone who dies their blood is on his hands, basically. It says, Say to them, As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? 
So again, I think people get this idea that God like takes joy in all this wrath, like he's excited about it. He says, like, I take no delight in this. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn their ways and live. So this goes into like once Jesus comes where it's like there's no condemnation, you are a new creation. There's no joy in having someone be separated from him or die or be wicked. He would much rather like despite past sin, have someone be reconciled with him and and start choosing the right ways. Okay, if someone who is righteous disobeys, that person's former righteousness will count for nothing. And if someone who is wicked repents, that person's former wickedness will not bring condemnation. The righteous person whose sins will not be allowed to live, even though they were formerly righteous. Talks. Uh, okay, so then it talks about Israel's disobedience, um, about eating the wrong foods and defiling the neighbor's wife and all of this. Like It goes over all of their sin, basically. Um... And then this was interesting. It says, Mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. This sounds like today. <laughs> this sounds like today's times. Everyone is talking about like love and acceptance and all this stuff, but we're just as greedy as ever. We're just as broken as ever. Like our country, I feel like, is getting more and more broken, right? As everyone's like, oh, love and tolerance and all this, you know? So your heart. It it basically says, like, your mouth can be saying one thing, but your heart can be something completely different. And just because you say, like, oh, we all need to love, doesn't mean you actually are living that out. So, check the heart. Okay, Ezekiel 34, it says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who... Uh, who only take care of yourselves, should not shepherds take care of the flock? So I'm going to read this a couple verses right here. It says, you eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hill, every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. So again, talking about the restoration of Israel, how he has like they are scattered there was no one really leading them in the righteous ways of the lord like they they strayed um and now god will bring them all back and and care for his sheep so that's where the imagery of a shepherd comes from with god he talks about being our shepherd a lot um that's always one you hear but like the lord is our shepherd i shall not want um so it's a great analogy because he is gathering up all the scattered and going to look for them. Okay, Ezekiel 35, there's a prophecy against Edom. He said that he will make Edom a desolate waste. It says, because you harbored an ancient hostility and delivered the Israelites over to the sword at the time of their calamity, the time of their punishment reached its climax. Therefore, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I will give you over to bloodshed and it will pursue you. Since you did not hate bloodshed, bloodshed will pursue you. So, not only is it if you actively like were against the Israelites, if you just didn't help, 
you know, they're also getting punished. Ezekiel 36 talks about hope for Israel. Nations who hurt Israel will suffer scorn. It says, you mountains of Israel will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel. They will soon come home. Um, and it talks about increasing the number of people and animals in Israel. Ezekiel 37, the spirit set him in the middle of the valley full of bones. So, okay, I should explain that sentence more. Um, the spirit of the Lord basically took Ezekiel and set him in this valley. And he looked out and saw a bunch of dry bones. So God says to prophesy to the dry bones. And, and he says, okay, hear the word of the Lord to the bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. So he prophesies this to the bones in his like vision and the bones start coming together and there starts to be tendons and skin and flesh forming around and soon they're like people but there's no breath in them so the lord told them to prophesy again say prophesy for breath in their lungs it says vast army um oh there was a vast army and he prophesied to them again that breath would enter them and they did breath entered them it says, these bones are the people of Israel prophesied to them. Take a stick, take a stick of wood and write on it one belonging to Judah and then another stick and write on that belonging to Joseph. Join them together into one stick. And that's basically symbolic of the fact that these are going to be joined together, Judah and uh, Joseph. Those are the, the tribes that are going to be joined together. Uh, God says that he will gather them and give their them their own land. And the servant of David, like a descendant of David or whatever, servant David will be king over them. And uh, they're to make a covenant with peace of peace with them. So Ezekiel 38 and 39 is where I saw a lot of controversy about a prophecy that uh, could be in the future or could be already happened. So I looked at this Bible commentary that basically is like a summary of each chapter of the Bible. And I'll link that below because it's actually a really good uh, chapter summary just in general for every chapter. But for chapter 38, it says, The Lord will intervene and execute a furious judgment against Gog. Um, and Gog is a prince. Uh, and it says, When he seems about to defeat Israel, all creation will shake at the presence of the Lord. The Lord will be known in the eyes of many nations. And then 39 says, The slaughter and burial of the forces of Gog are described. Birds and beasts of pretty feast on... Wait. Birds and beasts of pretty feast on the slain. The Lord will have mercy on the whole house of Israel and restore it to its... And restore it to blessedness, no longer hiding his face from them. So, again, it's talking about a prophecy about the restoration of Israel, but like there seems to be debate about these two chapters, about this prophecy, about the timeline, um, and stuff, but just, it's about restoring Israel at the end of the day. Ezekiel 40, it says the 14th year after the fall of the city, God took him to the city. Um, he saw a man whose appearance was like a bronze, was like bronze standing in a gateway, the temple is described and it's very much like Leviticus vibes in these couple chapters because it talks about like all the dimensions of the gates and the tables for sacrifices and the chambers and the porch and all of this stuff about the temple in very, very specific detail. So then in Ezekiel 41, the chambers and ornaments of palm trees uh, and the cherubims are described. 
Ezekiel 42 describes the priests like chambers and where they will be hanging out talks about the dimensions of the holy mount um the holy mount is where the temple used to be sitting and i was watching a podcast or i guess listening to a podcast the other day where um actually ben shapiro was talking about the holy mount and i want to look that up because he was talking about the palestinian israeli conflict and how the Temple Mount is actually in control, like in Israel's control, and it's the most holy site of uh, Judaism. But, but in order to not have conflict or something, Jews actually aren't really allowed to pray out loud there because it could cause issues or something. So, there's a lot of history with like Israel itself and the Holy Mount and these like very sacred places that I really want to get get into. Um, okay, Ezekiel 43, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Uh, they go over the measurements of the altar. And then it specifies like all seven days of sin offerings. Um, so there's a lot of, again, sort of Leviticus sort of vibes. Ezekiel 44 talks about how the east gate should be per- permanently shut because God has gone through it to get into the temple. When the glory of the Lord filled the temple, he went through the east gate, so that should be permanently closed. Um, It says, uncircumcised strangers, either in the heart or the flesh, cannot go into the sanctuary. Um, Levites will be the priests, and they have a lot of rules about, like, all of the behaviors, so, like, food, and, and their job is to teach people what is clean and unclean. Ezekiel 45, land is appointed for the sanctuary. Um, Some goes to the city. For the city, some goes to the prince. Others go to uh, the different people. They talk about major feasts and the rules for sacrifices. And just, again, like all of the traditions that they're kind of getting back to. The rules that they should obey. It's like a, you know, kind of a rundown of that. Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel has a vision of holy waters coming out of the temple. It starts shallow and then it starts growing deeper and deeper and deeper until it's really deep. could be over a man's head. It says the river goes east until it reaches a sea and it's just teeming with fish. It has so many fish. It says only marshy ground will be salty. There's a description of the land shared between the Jews and proselytes, which I think are like foreigners. Then Ezekiel 48 goes over the division of land for each tribe. There's some parts of the land that are to be presented as a special gift to the Lord. Um, Then there's a sacred portion for the priests. Some will be used for the common use of the city, houses, and pasture land. Some belong to the prince. And then there's gates of the new city specified with all the, like, units and measurements and all that. So, that's the end of Ezekiel it talks a lot about the restoration, how it's going to be restored, what the Israelites are supposed to do once it is restored. And now they're trying to, they're, you know, they're getting back to like the temple and sacrifices and actually worshiping the Lord. So very interesting book. Again, it was tough for me to read and Bible commentaries helped a lot, but I still need to do like a deeper dive, I feel like, into this book because I just feel like there's so much more there than I than I could get, you know, reading like 
five or six chapters a day. You kind of got to keep it moving. But I feel like if I just really, really dug into Ezekiel, like one chapter a day or one chapter every couple days, that would be really beneficial. So maybe next you know, calendar year in the podcast, I will be doing more of these deep dive, like biblical ones. So let me know if you want to hear that. But um, that is the summary of Ezekiel. I hope you enjoyed and stay tuned this afternoon for our Disneyland episode. I had such a fun time. The history of the park is really, really fascinating. So um, anyway, I will see you this afternoon for a new podcast. See everyone. Bye.